Bring It On is a public affairs program exploring the people, issues, and events affecting the African-American communities in South Central Indiana and beyond. Bring It On is a forum for the people, by the people, produced by an independent team of volunteers working at the studios of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana, and financially supported by listeners like you. Good evening, I'm William Hosea, and welcome to Bring It On, an award-winning show celebrating 12 years as Indiana's only weekly community radio show committed to exploring the people, issues, and events impacting African Americans. Uh, good evening, I'm Clarence Boone, and in today's broadcast, hopefully you'll hear me because I've been a little under the weather, but you'll also <laughs> hear our perspective on what's relevant in the African American world of news and local events of interest, all in the next hour on Bring It On. But first, I, I don't know if they're ready we, for We this. can do it. We can do ready it. Ready for this? Okay, yeah, we can here do it. goes. Right. Knock, knock. Who's there? Rob. Rob who? Rob Sherrell, IU's and the nation's first graduate with a degree in stand-up comedy. That's right. Robert Sherrell is the first ever individualized major in stand-up comedy. Throughout his undergraduate career at Indiana University, he's been able to network with the likes of Jarrett Carmichael and even Kevin Hart. He's also an award-winning filmmaker with several pieces he's written, directed, and produced. While at the university, Rob's had the opportunity to work for the Office of Admissions, the IU Foundation, residential programs and services, first-year experience programs, and the Indiana University Student Association. After graduation, he will be departing to Chiang Rai, Thailand to direct his first documentary for the May Fowl Long Foundation. Did I say that right, Rob? Mayfall Long. Yeah, her too. Her too. <laughs> uh, yeah, first, first, I want to say that uh, that joke at the beginning. Uh, it was okay. I mean, you know, delivery could have could have worked. Rob, well, Rob, I, Rob, I communicated Rob. my disclaimer. Wait, Rob. Clarence is doing. I haven't done the, the formal introduction yet. Oh, there's there's more. Okay. Please. I mean, you know, in the spirit of you know, keeping true to the script. In addition to his scholastic pursuits, which he is now a graduate of Indiana University, Rob has been a social activist who has led peaceful protests and championed student causes for positive change. He joins us tonight as a comedy critic of our knock-knock <laughs> joke and also will provide an in-depth discussion on his journey and evolution. Now, Rob, welcome to Bring It On. Now thank, we can go back to you, the joke. Yeah, thank you so much. Okay, was, that was a classic. I mean, knock knock. Think of all the knock knock jokes that you've ever heard. I've heard two, and that was the second, <laughs> that was the second knock knock joke I have ever heard in 2017. Uh, I don't know. I don't even know if people still knock on doors anymore. Like, well, they just walk in. Well, didn't the Three Stooges do knock knock jokes? No, they probably. Okay, anyway, I'll leave them. You date yourself. You date yourself. I know. I know when to stop. All right. <laughs> Oh, well, thank you. thank you so much for uh, for having me on the show today. Well, you know, number one, congrats to you. I mean, number one, I mean, to graduate, period, with a degree. And you did this in, in, in four years. You, you didn't do the... Uh, I actually did. I actually designed my degree and did it in three. In well, three? Well, actually two and a half, but so, yeah. Seriously? You, you're speechless there. Yeah, so my, my degree program is a full, uh, full four-year degree program, just like everyone else's. But um, I... Did a lot at at once at a, at a lot of different times. So I was in school at IU for five years, but for two and a half of those years, I had a different major. I was actually law and policy, political science, double majoring. And so two and a half years in, I was like, you know what? Let's forget. Whoa, whoa, the- whoa, 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 whoa! You were in law and public policy, mm-hmm. and Before then you shifted to stand up comedy. 
quite the jump, I know. And you explained this to who? Uh, so <laughs> before I did it, I talked to a few of my friends because law and policy was always an area that I had been pretty, uh, pretty adamant about studying and going into. It was literally my dream since I was a boy, a young boy, to go to school, study law, go to law school, and then be a politician, run for public office, and eventually be president of the United States. Um, but Barack beat you to but it. But Barack beat me to it. And because he went and, and he was the first black person, I was like, you know what? I think I can go a different route. Okay. Uh, but no, um, I, I, I'd been doing comedy on the side for a while, for a few years. And um, it, it grew in my interest. And eventually I decided that, you know, I, I, this is something that I love to do. And I'm a first generation college student. So uh, even though I was the first person in my family to, family to go, I decided to take a chance and to change things up. And I saw, you know what, I want to study, I want to pursue comedy professionally, but I can't drop out of school. One, I'm already thousands of dollars in debt. Two, my mom would murder me. There'd be, it'd be my, you know, dead carcass on the, on the news. So I decided to find a way to merge my passion for comedy and uh, the educational aspect of it and the, uh, the higher education aspect of, to it. So I decided to look into my options. And from that, an individualized major in stand-up comedy was born. So your mom didn't murder you when you told her you were going for stand-up comedy. No, no, comedy. She, she did not murder me. Did she did stop talking to me for about for about you know three months? But when I first told her, uh -huh. ironically, she thought it was a joke. So I was like, uh, I, you know, we, I was at home. <laughs> I was at home one uh, one week for for break, and uh, it was right after I had already changed it. She she had no idea. I was like, so hey mom, uh, we were sitting on the couch and she we were watching TV, and I was like, hey mom. Uh, you know that 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 college thing that I was talking about, and I'm I'm doing currently. I actually changed what I'm studying, and she's she's well, she's just watching TV. You know, we're just eating. And she's like, okay, well, you know, what are you studying now? Uh, I said, yeah, I'm studying stand-up comedy now instead of the, the law thing that you know that we all planned for me to do for the last 20 years of my life. And so, you know, she was like, ha, ha, ha. you know, kept uh, kept watching TV, and uh, the commercial came up, and I was like, I just I don't know if she got it. Let me just say it one more time. I was like, hey, mom, you know, I'm serious. And then, uh, then the TV suddenly turned off and out. Then, by, yeah, with, by, by itself. Oh, by itself. Man. Oh, the man. remote was on the other side of the room. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Maybe that was God. Mother, God, God was his like, mother guys, willed it. Yeah, she was like, okay, this, we need to address this. Whoa. So, um, I mean, I've, to be honest, it was a, it was a pretty risky thing to do. And, uh, mm. and to this day, even I think it was a little crazy. But uh, I guess eventually everything worked out. And my mom, uh, she's one of my biggest supporters now. Now, uh, just this past, for those, many of you may not know, but this past Friday, uh, Robert holds a distinction as being, uh, in, in at least recent memory and maybe even long-term memory, the only student to uh, provide an address at the baccalaureate ceremony at Indiana University. He was one of two uh, speakers. Uh, the other was uh, IU law professor Don Johnson uh, and, and Robert Cherell, IU senior. Both did a tremendous job. And and one of the comical parts was, as we were introducing you, I told the audience that now Robert is not here to do a stand-up performance. And people started saying, oh, I said, oh, wait a minute. This is sort of a solemn assembly. You know? So he gets to do it now, right? <laughs> well, yeah, he, yeah, he could do it now. And this is the family <laughs> hour, as I said earlier. But, uh, I might hit y'all with a, with, a, with a joke or two. Okay. Uh, it, knock, knock in, in, in that vein? No, or, no, oh, okay. no. All right, all right. there won't be any knocking. <laughs> but, but, you know, I, I first met. Robert, uh, what three, 
maybe three years ago. About, yeah, about three years ago. Uh, in, in my daytime, uh, in my in my real world, as an alumni relations officer at Indiana University, uh, there is uh, opportunities to partner with some of our campus partners, and the Office of Enrollment Management uh, is a partner that we have uh, really valued that partnership over the years, and. Uh, Our office will team up with representatives from admissions to go to three different market areas in the state, uh, Northwest Indiana, the the, uh, Fort Wayne area, and the Indianapolis area, to talk to students who have requested admission into IU, have been accepted, but have not yet, as they say, sealed the deal, and there are other steps they need to take. So they're invited, and these are underrepresented students, and they're invited to come out and hear from IU representatives and students. Now, the representatives, of course, were sort of high level in our presentations, but the students are the people they bond with. Robert was part of that group. And, you know, imagine four or five students and some are going into medicine, some are going into law, some are going into accounting and finance. Then Robert comes up and says, I'm going into comedy. And and of course, he has everybody's attention at that point. (laughs) But, um, and it is, sir, I'll tell you this, since that time, I've sort of just watched your progression and um, you have been very active in Indiana University, and we actually wanted to invite you on uh, about a year and a half to mm-hmm. two years yep. ago, and it was on your 22nd birthday. Mm-hmm. Share with us what happened on your way to the station. So I, if I remember correctly, the, the interview you wanted to conduct was about um, the racial climate um, around the the Indiana University campus, around the Bloomington community, and and really uh, also touching on it nationwide as well. And what happened to me on the way was actually some somewhat ironic and somewhat uh, somewhat funny if you if you think about the 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 ironic the ironicy. Ironically, irony. irony, irony. There we go. I'm, I'm terrible at grammar. I majored in stand-up people. I have heard new words <laughs> created on this campus. So, ironicy. <laughs> Comedians so, uh, can get away with it. Yeah, we can. Yeah, no, yeah. Yeah, I, um, so I was on my way here, and I was riding one of those electronic uh, scooters. People call them hoverboards. And um, I was actually uh, assaulted by two Caucasian uh, individuals um, for you know no real apparent reason. They kicked me off my board, and what um, what a, what a lot of people knew at the, around the time was I was also previously injured. Um, my shoulder, the, a muscle, a few muscles in my shoulder were torn. And uh, I needed, uh, I was supposed to get surgery for them at the time. Um, but when I was assaulted, I fell off my, sh- my sh- re injured my shoulder again. Um, and I, you know, couldn't move. And while I'm sitting there on the ground, the, uh, the two people were, uh, were, you know, laughing. They were laughing and just, you know, carrying on. And I was looking around for people around me to help. And people were just kind of watching this whole thing go down. And so, um, you know, they, they got up and they, 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 they walked away. You know, I got up and, I was faced with the decision. What do you do now? Like I, this is this is something that never happened to me before. Um, so, when it did happen, I was faced with the decision to, you know, let it go, shrug it off, even though I really couldn't shrug because my shoulder was hurt. Uh, do I, do I call the police? Even though, uh, you know, around the around the time there was been there's been given more and more visibility to the the inability for police officers to effectively do their jobs when it comes to protecting the lives of people of color. Uh, or you know what? Or do I just go on and continue on to the interview? I saw them walking away, and something in me snapped. So I decided to get back on my hoverboard for the first for a little bit and follow them on the phone with the police. I was like, I'm not, I'm not gonna let this slide. I don't care how 
the police situation handles out or how they decide to cover the situation or handle it. But I wanted some sort of justice. You know, I, if I just if I gave up this one more, this is one more opportunity for, you know, someone perhaps with malicious or prejudiced intentions to get away with their, you know, their, you know, their actions. So I decided to follow them, uh, call the police on the phone. I'm still on my hoverboard. I'm holding my shoulder. I'm in a lot, a lot of pain. Um, but I followed them for a block or two until they realized that I was following them on the board. Uh, so they started running and I started, I amped up the speed on my little board and I'm trying to balance on the board and call the police and hold my arm at the same time. Um, but, you know, unfortunately they did get away and uh, the, the, the the police officers did show up um, uh, shortly after they had, they had ran off and uh, talked to them, explained to them what happened. And, um, and after that, I, I made my way to the studio and, you know, tried to, to explain what happened. Yeah, the, the police had arrived. I explained to them the story about what happened and the assault. Um, they, I gave a brief description of what the, the, the assailants looked like. Um, and I continued on my way to the interview. I mean, I, I didn't really know what to do next. Uh, I was still kind of in shock about what had happened, and I was still in a lot of pain, so I made my way down to the studio here and uh, explained to you all what happened, and, you know, thankfully you all got me the help that I needed, and I uh, made, got to the hospital and got my shoulder looked at, and so, you know, it's from there on, I guess it's history. I won't forget that night. I mean, the look on your face and, and not knowing what had happened. You were yeah. disheveled. Yeah, and, this this keep my ass is on my birthday too. And so, that was on your birthday, yeah. and and that was uh, that was a moment that I think for a lot of people, William, uh, me included, I, I don't know. You know, you mentioned that in a moment you snapped, mm-hmm. and for me, I I think I would have snapped too. I don't know what I would have done. I just pray I never had to face that situation. But for some they would have probably taken that account and totally gone internal and it would have festered and they would have began to just really manifest some things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I suspect you didn't do that. No, uh, I, I, I immediately, I immediately used that situation to prove a point because what had happened uh, about two days, two days earlier, this is around the same time, the exact same time where a lot of uh, the, the racial climate on college campuses nationwide was at an all time high. You could cut the the tension on campus with a butter knife because of things that were going on at Mizzou University with their um, I, I don't remember the, the story exactly what happened, but um, I believe their one of football their football team one of the yeah their football team mm-hmm. had had taken a taken a stance against something that maybe their uh, I believe their president or one of their higher up deans had said about the you know the black community or, or the community of color there and. You know, it, this type of uh, this type of atmosphere is spread, you know, throughout college campuses everywhere. And um, I was on the phone a couple of days earlier before this actually happened, um, explaining to someone about how rough things felt. And this is also around the same time where if you if you are familiar with the social act, Yip, Yip, Yip Yak, the socially anonymous act app where people can pretty much just say whatever they want and under the, the veil of anonymity. I know that's a real word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is now. <laughs> Uh, so people were t- saying all types of terrible things about what was going on, talking about black people, about how black people aren't really welcome on campus. And we actually got like a, some sort of threat that ha- that was issued saying black people don't come to class this day or don't go on campus this day. You know, a, a lot of these things are going on. And I was on the phone on one day on the bus a couple of days before the interview. And I was explaining to someone on the phone about how things felt and how just off things were uh, in the looks and the stares. And I, someone, and this white guy in front of me had, had, had turned around and said that I was pretty much just making it all up 
and I'm not sure if I can use in, in a language on this show, but he said you're pretty much pulling this out of your ass right now, and uh, I didn't I didn't agree with that at all. So me we got into a, a verbal altercation on the bus. And, you know, initially I was like, OK, dude, you know, this I I, I know you're incorrect, but, you know, I'm, I don't have time to really talk to to go through this with you. Why don't you do your research, Google some things, look up some, uh, some uh, make yourself aware to the oppressions of people who don't look like you and then come back to me. And then two days later, I get assaulted on the way to do a, an interview on the racial climate. So I think that mm. I'm a firm believer that everything happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. So you took that moment, uh, and, and I'll say it was, am I wrong in saying it was a defining moment? Oh, yeah. it was. It, at the time, it was definitely a defining moment in <clears throat> in my own uh, plight as an activist, as someone who, who stands up for social justice and, you know, against the oppressions of, of marginalized people. And uh, within that time... Uh, what, what happened with me, the real injustice came about that when when on, on this campus, on Indiana University's campus, when anything really happens that is potentially dangerous or a situation occurs where people need to be aware, there is something sent out called an IU Notify. And uh, we've gotten IU Notifies from in the past about from everything from uh, potentially dangerous situations like robbings or theft from to, to gas leaks, to where there are gas leaks on campus or gas leaks in the area that people should be aware of. But when I was assaulted and uh, the two people who assaulted me were on the run, essentially, there was nothing sent out to students. No one had uh, no one knew what was going on. A lot of my friends had to figure out what was going on through social media mm-hmm. when uh, when a month earlier we had all been let known through a text, an email and a phone call that there was a gas leak on Jordan Avenue. But when I get assaulted, nothing gets sent out. And I really took that as a slap in the face because the reason why people, non-people of color, uh, particularly don't believe that we uh, are facing these types of, of, of oppression is because they lack the visibility that they need to be seen outwardly by people who don't look like us. So, of course, you know, Jacob or whoever the guy's name in front of me doesn't believe that I'm uh, that pe- black people are oppressed on college campuses. He doesn't know that I was just assaulted. Well, some of them don't want to believe it. Some, too. Yeah, exactly. A lot, a lot of them don't want to believe it. They'd rather live in their fairy tale world where, if it doesn't concern them, it's not a problem. And unfortunately, that's uh, that's something that we, you know, that we had to combat. And so, for those who are just tuned in, we are having a conversation, an insightful conversation, uh, with Rob Shirell. I use uh, in the nation's first graduate with a degree in stand-up comedy, but what we're talking about right now in his life is not very funny at all. <laughs> and it was a defining moment um, in his life. He was part of some uh, social positive active changes on campus, mm-hmm. and this moment galvanized him to the extent that he got involved with more. Speak a little bit about some of the things you did before this happened. So before I, I was the uh, I was the political act political. Um, political action uh, chair of the Black Student Union for two years running and uh, I, w- I put together a number of different programs that had to do with these types of events so uh, Black Lives Matter Jeopardy game that we partnered with uh, a Phi Beta Sigma Fraternity Incorporated uh, I organized with the help of the rest of the Black Student Union and some members of the um, IU chapter of the NAACP um, uh, a march and protest uh, die-in protest rally uh, for you know Mike Brown because it had just recently come out around that time that the officer that shot him wouldn't face any indictment charges. So um, this being socially active and and being aware of the political and, and social climate of the things that affect us as African Americans or Black people is nothing that, that I was new to at the time. But 
being uh, on the being on the end of the receiving end of the mm -hmm. direct oppression um, was was a different feeling for me. So mm -hmm. I had to approach it a little differently. And what's that, and what happened now after as you go forward in your life? Uh, well, after that and after that incident, um, there was a committee formed around improving the racial climate on campus. Um, and I can't say that the incident that I was a part of was something that led directly to that, but I know that it was one of the uh, one of the situations that added to the necessity of of a committee like that. And uh, through that, there was several town hall meetings held with the provost, uh, where people of color, black students. Uh, members of the LGBTQ community came and told, uh, you know, the provost, this is how we feel. This is, you know, why aren't things happening here the way we need them to be? So, um, you know, moving forward, it, it gave me a different type of perspective to look at when it comes to the importance of issues like that mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, the role that we can all play in making sure the changes that we need happen. Mm -hmm. Wow. So moving forward, mm -hmm. is it going to be social activism or a career as a stand-up uh, uh, comic, or are you going to merge the two, say, along, along the lines of, uh, say, D.O. Hughley mm -hmm. or Dick Gregory? Mm -hmm. um, I, 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 like to take, I like to take the approach, when it comes to my comedy or any of my work, I like to take the approach that uh, you can merge it with anything. Comedy is, is, can be the entree, but sometimes it can also be the side dish. Sometimes it can also be the dessert. Um, but humor as an art form is, uh, is an underlying method to which something can be accentuated. So if you have any type of uh, maybe any type of topic or concept that you want to revel your, yourself around, your identity around, uh, humor can be used as something to leverage that or something to make that you know, a little better or enhance it. So a lot of my, com a lot of my comedy is uh, political satire or social yeah. satire or it has to do with, um, with things that affect us as black people or people of color. So I have a joke that does pretty well. Uh, that does actually pretty well uh, about, white, about white Go privilege. Oh man! It's, um, okay, so the joke the joke is like this, and and for the listeners, I'm not sure how this is going to work because this is my first time performing it without a crowd. But okay, so I usually um, I say that you know one of the things that I feel like isn't necessarily uh, is is kind of difficult to to get people to understand is concepts that affect us as black people that and and explaining that to people who aren't black. And one of the things I have trouble getting across the most is white privilege. And usually there's a huge, long silence. And I say, oh, this room got really, really quiet. And so um, I, I pick out someone in the crowd. I'm like, OK, is there, any, is there any white people in the crowd today? Any white folk in the crowd? And I pick out the, the whitest looking person I could find. And, I, and I, do wanna, I do ask them if they are white because I don't want to judge. But most of the time they are white. <laughs> so um, most, of the time. Most, of the, most of the time they are white. So um, I say, okay. So me and you, the the person, the white person that I'm speaking to, we're gonna do a, an experiment right now to prove the white privilege exists. So me and you are gonna have a race, and uh, whoever I'm talking to, I say, me and you are going to have a foot race to the back wall and back. And the back wall. Does anyone in the audience know what the back wall represents? And they shout out random things. And, is it food? Is it happiness? No, it's not. It's not any of those things. It's it's the American dream. It's the opportunity. It's the success. It's the it's the it's the the thing that we're all fighting for and pushing for. And um, so I say, okay, me and you are going to have a race. And when I say go, we're going to race to that wall. But when I say go, you get a four hundred year head start. On your mark, you say go. 
and I just stand still and freeze in place. And, you know, you two didn't laugh, but usually the, the, the crowd does. Now, is this is this like a nervous laughter or do you feel like there was this connection? That, yeah, I get it. Oh, it, I mean, to, to, for me, for me, as a, for me, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Even if it's nervous laughter, even if there's uh, if there's yeah. a connection, even if there's no laughter, the idea is already implanted in your mind right. that this is something that exists, and we just use something as trivial as a as mm-hmm. a race to the wall mm-hmm. and back to prove that it exists using math. Right. You, you know, know what I thought you were gonna say? What I thought you were gonna say? You took off running, but the white guy stood still because he's already there. <laughs> hey, hey, oh, I'm about to steal that. Hopefully, hopefully it's not copyrighted. Uh, yeah, I was about to say that <laughs> you would have to pay him royalties. <laughs> Uh, to, our, to our listeners, I'm not actually going to steal that joke. <laughs> <laughs> well, let, let me ask you another question. Mm-hmm. Now, yours is a non-traditional approach to a career in comedy. Very right? non-traditional, yes. Now, when you think about rappers who transition into acting, mm-hmm. they uh, sometimes meet some resistance from more s- the seasoned and established actors because mm-hmm. rappers are perceived to have not paid their dues. Yeah. So since yours is a non-traditional approach with education, you know, as your foundation, do you anticipate any kind of criticism or resistance from taking that route? And and if so, how how would you respond to it? Um, it I've already I've already received it. As okay. soon as as soon as I created the major, there was pushback from uh, some from people in the comedy community all around the country. Yeah. Um, and it's it goes along the same lines as you can't learn this right you have to be born with this you can't learn to be funny you have to either have it or you don't have it and you know you can go back to to you know lucio ball said the same thing you you know you can't learn comedy you either got this or you don't but um i'm a strong advocate for uh comedy being revered as an art form and the same way that people revere things like music or dance uh, or uh, or other types of artistry mm-hmm. with uh, you know fine arts and acting. painting or acting or acting per se yeah so uh, there's there is there's some there's this philosophy that you do have to have it but um, I'm a believer that you can have it or you cannot have it but there's nothing wrong with strengthening your your techniques and how you perform it and how you do it mm-hmm. and uh, my major is based on three <clears throat> three distinct pillars of of comedy uh, performance theoretical understanding. And practical implementation. So um, the practical implementation side comes from things like the production courses in the in the program, the writing courses in, in my program. Uh, the performance side comes from a lot of different acting courses I, I've taken uh, while I've had the major. Um, and the theoretical understanding comes from under, comes from the psychology that's in the, the the program, the anthropology, the sociology, the sociological aspect. All of these things are very relevant and pertinent to understanding the implications of how comedy can be used in any type of way that you need. And I think that uh, the people who had the initial pushback uh, just had a narrow view of how they wanted their their type of art form or their craft to be viewed or perceived. Because, I mean, think about it like this. If you were a basketball player and you're the star player of the team and you're, you know, you're, you're making points for the team and you're, everyone looks up to you, you know, how do you feel about this guy who decides, you know, I'm going to go to school, maybe not to maybe not to perform basketball or play basketball for a team like you are, but I'm going to learn how to play it. I'm going to learn how to be, uh, you know, the the first basketball major of of of, uh, you know, of the country. You know, there's going to be some there's going to be some pushback from from people that think that, you know, this is not the way you go about it. It's been done this way all along. You have to keep doing it this way. Right. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. no. I, um, I'm thinking of uh, Second City. 
and all the uh, premier, uh, as we would say, legendary comics uh, that, say, have gone on to perform at venues such as uh, Saturday Night Live and other venues around the country. Mm-hmm. A lot of them in Chicago, Second City, um, helped get their start. But in a sense, it was like an artist colony. Yeah, exactly. Uh, where, where people, you know, honed their craft and and did it in a environment that was both safe and they took risk. Um, there were uh, performances they just had to do. They had to do extemporaneously. They just had to get up and get in the mood, in the movement, get in the mindset. And just like acting, there there's method acting. There's all these different mm-hmm. uh, per- processes to to get you in that role. Um, I see you one day teaching others. I see you as combining your passion for social justice and putting comedy on because sometimes to get some difficult points across, you have to use comedy mm-hmm. to help ease that into their mind. Exactly. Uh, it's We have these barriers. In comedy, we tend to lessen our defenses because it's something that's going to make us feel a little bit lighter but yet this hard pill to swallow is coming exactly and and i think of someone who's contemporary like kamal bell mm-hmm. uh you know who's done this on on different venues and I, I mentioned his name we brought him to indiana university to perform and uh around the height of the election i think for um obama and romney uh that was uh 2012 um he was very prominent on uh, a lot of late night shows and now he has some other projects he's working on but he was able to use that comedy to inject some really deep 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 mm-hmm. concepts in the minds of people we have about three minutes left you do much more than just comedy you are doing tv production you're doing <laughs> video yeah, production I, I do it all <laughs> you we mentioned in the intro some things you're going to do in thailand so in the remaining time talk about that and educate us all on what you have in the future here so, uh, you know, initially when I first started the stand-up comedy major, stand-up comedy was all I was doing. Uh, it was just stand-up and that was it. But having the major and then matriculating throughout the levels and, you know, growing to be, you know, a junior in the program or senior and finally graduating uh, from it, um, it's it's given me a wide girth of t- of the different ways and, and uh, pathways and routes I can take to, to do this type of thing. So along the way, I've gotten into filmmaking I've uh, written, directed, and produced two short films, um, one of which uh, is a, has won a couple of awards, some film festivals. Um, the other, which the other which has just just recently been put out, and that has a theme of, of uh, a more social justice type of mm-hmm. theme to it. And um, you know, I've I've gotten into television production and, pr- and produced um, Indiana University's first uh, late night talk show, and it's you know it's a pretty pretty professional standard and it's one of the most viewed late night talk shows produced by students uh in the country and definitely one of the most in the region so um i you know i do that i do a lot of writing with that so i i do a lot of production a lot of uh filmmaking and writing and i'm thinking that in the future film is something that i really want to get into mm-hmm. more and it's it's as i've started to just as comedy as i started to to do it more the passion for it started to grow same with film i i, I produced the first short film headphones which is about uh social anxiety um and and bringing awareness to that in, in the communities for people of color and then uh, my second fi- short film campus brother is about the difficulties of of black expression and a pwi type of exp- experience and explain pwi for those that don't know uh predominantly white institution so mm-hmm. pretty much your, your your typical college campus like indiana university mm-hmm. where you know the black population of black people or people that of diverse communities are far undernumbered are outnumbered by 
people that, that don't, who don't have those backgrounds. So uh, that's the second second short film, and then Hell Late with Rob Sorrell is, is the late night talk show that I uh, that was executive producer of and the host of and the head writer. And the show that show was set on to be something like Arsenio Hall type of show because when I turn on the TV and I watch late night talk shows because I love them. I don't see people who look like me and I don't see people right. who look like me talking about things that, that I want to talk about or talking like me. And I wanted to create a show and create a, a production uh, and a project that reflected that. And so I created Hella Late with Rob Sherrell and the name of itself, Hella Late, draws on the urban type of vernacular that we use every day uh, in our modern times as, as people of color, as black people. So and I, I think in the future, I'm I'm about I'm all about creating things to to bring us together as people and then showing people who don't look like us, you know, what our experience can be like. And I think through that, that's how we grow to shrink things like things like prejudice and things like racism is showing, uh, showing each other that our experiences may not be as different as you may think, or just showing what our experiences are. And throughout that, you slide in the comedy, you slide in the humor to show people that, you know, you know, we can get along. We can we can understand each other a little bit better. And when I go to Thailand, the the documentary that I'm going to be uh, directing over there is about uh, the Doi Tung Project, which is like a social 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 initiative that they have over there, urban development project coming up on their 30th year anniversary. And um, I'm going over there. It's 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 like their version of kind of the issues that we deal with today over here. So even going overseas and, and taking this message elsewhere, I think is very, uh, very prominent and very, very uh, ap- applicable to what I'm going to be doing. Are you, and it's at the mark, but I'm going to take liberty as producer of Bring It On. I'm going <laughs> to ask this follow-up question. Go ahead. Um, are you taking a risk in sorts of, by going to Thailand? I mean, it's, this, is that a conservative uh, country, um, you know, humor is one thing, but you're probing. You're going to ask people for uh, their honest, candid opinions on, say, government policies. Are you? What's your thought on that? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm most certainly taking a risk. I, but I think that the things in life that are most worth worth uh, worth exploration are the things that come with the most risk. I created a, a degree program on my own that no one had before. And um, going away from the stability of being a law and policy major with a, with a stable foundation and a path that you can follow, law and policy, law school, politics. It's, it's kind of a, you go in one end, you come out the other exactly what you want. I, I revel in taking those risks because um, if I don't do it, you know, who else is going to do it? Well, you know, I'm thinking about the, uh, the current 30-year-old who's president now in France. Yeah, exactly. I want to say, add that if you're going to do political satire, mm-hmm. it's like, man, you, you have the smorgasbord to choose from oh. now. Oh, you man, know? it's and, and <laughs> woo, you got to get it all in there while it lasts. You know? Oh, yeah. He, we we our, our current our current uh, president, if that's what you'll call him, uh, is is giving plenty of material week for week so we have <laughs> the next the next four years if he makes it that long well there won't be a type any type of shortage uh, on comedy and, and for clarity's sake he is <laughs> he's not advocating <laughs> unseemly. He's you know saying. even if he, even after he's gone <laughs> i mean the material is going to be around for years yeah, it's, it's going to be there yeah we have alternative facts now so <laughs> that's I mean, right that's that's, right. that's going to be a thing for forever so well uh, but, but before we close out i do want to i do want to let people know that um currently i'm fundraising for uh, for my trip to thailand it's an internship 
Um, however, I'm still looking for a little bit of funds to help me get over there and help me, you know, live while I'm there uh, mm-hmm. working on the documentary. So I have a GoFundMe that perhaps will be on the the maybe with included on the website or the link with the link to this uh, to this program. So if you you know if you heard me today and you like. You know what I've talked about, and, and you know some of the projects that I've been working on, and what I would work on in the future. Please feel free to donate and share. I would greatly appreciate. And, it. And where where is this GoFundMe? Uh, you can find this GoFundMe on robjustjokin.com, R O B J U S T J O K I N, or you can find it on my Twitter at robjustjokin. What about Facebook? Oh, it's, I mean I have Facebook too, but it's I mean it's for okay. old people. <laughs> I noticed. I noticed on your. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well. Yeah, well. Yeah. No. Actually, we're learning that <laughs> we are behind the behind the times if we're concentrating our efforts on Facebook. <laughs> now, um, for those out there, you don't see this, but Rob is wearing a black hat, and there's a word written on this black hat. It's simply called faith. And Rob, uh, when you're big and famous, uh, <laughs> well, I have to go through three filters to get to you to get you to to give us uh, some minutes of your time. Um, I mean, well, if I make it famous, I'm just going to pretend like I don't know who you are, Clarence. Oh, all right. Well, at least he's honest. Hey, just remember, we, we made you. <laughs> we made you. That's right. That's right. This is my big break right here. Yeah. But uh, on that note, and, and of course, he was joking just then. Um, we want to thank Rob Sherrell for joining us. And and we, you know, we have not even touched the surface, scratched surface. We want to invite you back at some point this summer. Uh, and we'll and we'll connect with you. Our people will talk to your people. And, and we'll try to make that uh, sure work. Thing. But. Our thanks to Rob Sherrell, I use, and the nation's first graduate with a degree in stand-up comedy. And uh, we thank you for joining us for an in-depth discussion on his journey and evolution. And to follow Rob, again, visit his webpage at robjustjokin.com, R-O-B-J-U-S-T-J-O-K-I-N.com. Jokin without a G. Because I am the G. Ooh. So that was smooth. That, that was smooth. That was smooth. Oh, yeah, okay. Bring It On has an open submission policy, so if you have an idea for this program, we would like to hear it. Send your emails directly to our volunteer staff. The address is bringiton at wfhb.org. We want to make sure we share any and everything affecting the African-American community with our listening audience in Bloomington and beyond. That email address, once again, bringiton at wfhb.org.
in the background. Crazy by Sill, of course, a classic, an English singer and songwriter. He has sold more than 20 million records worldwide and is known for his international hits, including Kiss from a Rose, which appeared on the soundtrack to the 1995 film Batman Forever. He was a coach on The Voice in Australia in 2012 and 2013 and returned to Australia to work as a coach in 2017. To keep up with local news and find out what's happening behind the scenes at WFHB, you're invited to like our Facebook page. Go to Facebook.com and search for WFHB. Or you can always visit the WFHB News website at WFHB.org slash news. Bringing on is Indiana's only public affairs program dedicated to the African-American community here on WFHB 91.3 FM and live on the web at WFHB.org. It's time now to give you the latest perspective on the people, news, and issues affecting the black community. For Bringing On, I'm Clarence Boone. I'm William Hosea. Clarence, you want to do the honors? Uh, Let's uh, see what's going on in Flint, Michigan. And, of course, uh, not so great out there, especially if you want to drink some water. It seems that the world is not fair at all. This is a commentary by Daniel Peterson. Regardless of whether the service is substandard, you will have to pay for it as long as you used it. And I think... And I think is what some of the citizens of this nation are undergoing right now. Although the water in Flint, Michigan isn't yet safe for human consumption, still the city wants its residents to pay for it. Wow. It is reported that thousands of residents are at a higher risk of losing their homes if they pay if they fail to pay their water bill. This move comes approximately three years after the beginning of a crisis, which led to extremely toxic levels of lead in the city's water pipes. Just some few days back, the city's Treasury Department channeled letters to more than 8,000 residents. It was warning uh, them that they will have to face a tax lien if they don't pay water and sewage bills, which they have deviated from paying for six months or even more, according to the local NBC affiliate out in Flint. The residents have until May 19th to pay the outstanding bills. After that... A process that could end with foreclosure will begin. This has been a problem for more than three years. And, you know, it's one thing that we're seeing water unfit for human consumption now, but the big issue will be the effect it will have on many of the residents, including many of the children that did consume this lead-based water. And it's, uh, I think, in our political climate, I, I just cringe to think how these people will get some type of redress if they will lose their homes, um, the audacity of having to pay for water that you cannot consume. What are they supposed to do with this water? Well, one thing's for sure. I, I don't expect any sympathy from the current administration. I don't either. And, and, and again, it's the, the mood in this, in this country uh, that, that certain redresses will not be made. Um, we have a Supreme Court justice that we will see uh, with this new appointment uh, just just the tone and timber of the highest court in the land. I think we had room for just that one story this afternoon, and I uh, hate to, to end it on a dour note, but um, that was a look at African-American headline news from around the world for this week. Tune in again next week for the latest news on and for the African-American community. We want to know what you think of current black issues, so send your comments to Bring It On at WFHB.org. For Bring It On, I'm Clarence Boone. I'm William Hosea, and you're listening to Bring It On, Indiana's only public affairs program dedicated to the African-American community. 
here on WFHB 91.3 FM on your radio and live on the web at WFHB.org. Support for WFHB comes from CATS, Community Access Television Services. Long before C-SPAN was providing government coverage in our nation's capital, CATS was televising uncensored broadcasts of the local meetings right here in Bloomington and Monroe County. CATS, celebrating 43 years of public access television on your local cable system and on the newly updated website, catstv.net. Bring it on!
And you just heard Bring It On, another signature sales selection and a uh, very appropriate song. Maybe one day we'll use it as part of our theme song. No comment from that me. Would work. That would work. That would work. All right. Well, it's time to bring you events of interest in the black community for Bring It On. I'm William Hosea. And I'm Clarence Boone. And leading off tonight, uh, the Second Baptist Church of Bloomington is engaged in a West Baden Church renewal project. And this is a renewal project of a church church that was formerly founded and built by early black settlers. To learn more, please go to actact.usatoday.com and find, search for West Baden Church Renewal Project and consider voting to endorse the project. And also along that line, we have received word that, backed by popular demand, a juke joint experience with the return of Mama Minnie's Juke Joint, Saturday, June the 17th from 6 to 9 p.m. at the Don Owens uh, FOP Lodge, which is located at 2450 North Curry Pike here in Bloomington. And celebrate Juneteenth with soul food and soul music, $15 per person, $25 per couple. Proceeds will benefit the West Baden Church Renewal Project. And for questions, contact Elizabeth Mitchell, lovingly known as Liz Mitchell, at emitch, E-M-I-T-C-H, 1441 at sbcglobal.net. I'll repeat that, E-M-I-T-C-H, 1441 at sbcglobal.net. And then also uh, May 10th, um, coming up in a few days, the Commission on the Status of Black Males will have a monthly meeting in the Hooker Conference Room at City Hall for 401 North Morton Street. To learn more, contact Rafi Hassan at 812-349-3559. Again, 812-349-3559. Or email him at Hassan, H-A-S-A-N-R, at bloomington.in.gov. The Bloomington Commission on the Status of Black Males was established in 2001, and the Commission's purpose and duties include to develop action committees, to serve as a catalyst to promote positive public and private remedies, to organize and convene community forums and neighborhood-based focus groups, to network with groups with similar missions, such as the Indiana Commission on Social Status of Black Males. Again, May 10th, 530, in City Hall, in the Hooker Conference Room, 812-349-3559. Whether or not U.S. Representative Trey Hollingsworth attends, several of the state's constituent-based organizations and individuals are coming together to host a 9th District Citizens Town Hall. The meeting is scheduled for Thursday, May 11th from 6.30 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. at City Council Chambers in the Showers Building, 401 North Morton Street. The hosts include Indivisible Bloomington 9th District, Monroe County National Organization for Women, Showing Up for Racial Justice, Bloomington, Hoosiers for a Common Sense Healthcare Plan, Move On, and So Indivisible. Previously, Indivisible Bloomington 9th District hosted a March 31st gathering on the public sidewalks adjacent to the Liberty Ballroom in Bloomington, where Hollingsworth attended a GOP fundraiser in hopes of raising awareness about voters' desire for a town hall meeting. So um, I'm going to be there. I hope he decides to come on out. Mm -hmm. Also, you are invited to attend the Monroe County Black Democratic Caucus call-out meeting Thursday, May 25th, 2017, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Council Chambers, also at Shower City Hall, featuring Bloomington's three black elected officials, Judge Valerie Houghton-Motley, 
City Clerk Nicole Bolden and City County Clerk Nicole Brown. Opening remarks by Mayor John Hamilton. The newly formed Count Monroe County Black Democratic Caucus working to strengthen black community involvement in local politics. For more information, you can contact yours truly by email, presidentblackdems at gmail.com or 812-219-2420. And William, this is an initiative that you have uh, had a hand in sort of pulling together. Yeah, yeah, a lot of work going into that. If you have an event or happening the African-American community should know about, please send the info directly to the Bring It On staff. Or if you want additional information about a calendar item that you've heard tonight, contact us at bringiton at wfhb.org. Our thanks to Rob Sherrill, IU's, and the nation's first graduate with a degree in stand-up comedy for joining us for an in-depth discussion on his journey and evolution. To follow Rob, you can visit his webpage at robjustjoking.com. Our show's executive producer is yours truly, Clarence Boone, with help from WFHB's news department, director Joe Crawford. Our board engineering team consists of Jim Thrasher, and Floyd Hobson. Our original theme music was created by Jamil Lefiam with additional background tracks by David Baker. For WFHB, I'm Clarence Boone. I'm William Hosea. Be sure to tune in next Monday, May 15th at 6 p.m. for another exciting edition of Bring It On right here on your community radio station, WFHB. You've been listening to Bring It On, a volunteer-powered production of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana. Bring It On is your forum for open dialogue on the people, issues, and events affecting the African-American community in South Central Indiana and beyond. Send your comments, suggestions, and story ideas directly to the Bring It On staff. The email address is bringit at wfhb.org. That's bringit at wfhb.org.